0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalt Miller, joined as always by my co host, Ian Cummings. And today we are going to talk to you guys about the best team and player fits in the potential 2024 nfl draft class we're still very early in the process we still have not gotten a ton of underclassmen or upperclassmen declarations because of the COVID years we have extra eligibility so some of these year five guys might go back for year six we have no idea we're going to try to do our best to give you the best fits and while I'm on the subject of Best Fits, you guys should go to the PFN Merchandise Store because it is now open and it is just in time for the holiday seasons. Visit pfnmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now. Take advantage of all the sales that we have going on and go to pfnmerch.com today. Before we get started, I always have to ask Ian, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing good, man. I actually I found this shirt. Which was nice. I hadn't. I I I lost it for like months, and I was like, "Where is this shirt?" I couldn't find it. It's like one of my top five shirts in my in my packing order, you know. And I couldn't find it for mm-hmm. the life of me. And I found it. It was buried under a mound of clothes. I was cleaning up, so I gotta gotta do that. But like, hey, the the best fit, the right fit can make such a difference. So you know, mm-hmm. hey, hit that P.F.N. store. Definitely get your own fits as we hit the holiday season. But I'm good. You know, I found this shirt. I'm very happy about that. And I'm very happy to get into some team and prospect fits uh, on today's podcast. See what the wordplay we're doing there. But uh, it's, it's fun. And I think you and me both, you know, even dating back to the summer, we've done so many mock drafts. I'm, I'm almost mock drafted out here, but we're going to keep going strong. But um, every mock draft, you try to mix you it up. You can't be
0: mock drafted out. We have so many more mock drafts know,
1: to man. go Oh in. my gosh. Like I, on one hand, I'm like so many more possibilities. But on the other hand, it's like, man, we've almost run through them all at this point, it seems. But no, it's it's fun. And every mock draft kind of goes through different possibilities. And you kind of experiment with different team prospect fits. Now, You know, you and I both. Have kind of come across ones that we've really liked in these mock drafts and so today we're going to kind of roll through some of our favorite ones that we've come across this cycle and uh first off i think we got to start with you know quarterbacks and running backs with kind of a caveat right because i didn't list any quarterback fits just because i think the top quarterbacks in the class right it's so unpredictable to know where they're going to land and then some of the top teams too like the bears right you know teams that might have some offensive coordinator instability we just don't know enough about the fits right now i think to kind of delineate that for the qb position
0: yeah it's tough and then we just really don't know much about the quarterback class yet we don't know much about the running back class at this point and while we might not really know much about what this wide receiver class is going to be, we, I think that we have a pretty good idea of the potential talent that is in that class. Like when when we look at the running backs, it's like how many of these guys are like legitimately day two guys. Mm-hmm. Like there there's a lot of fun players, but there aren't a ton of guys that you look at and are like, man, like that guy's got to go in the top seventy five. A- and that's just kind of the way that it, it goes at this point. With a little bit of a a lack of talent at the position on top of being running backs, on top of being able to make money in NIL because running backs at the college level are so much more valuable than at the NFL level. So if you're going to get paid a million dollars to stay on campus when you're going to be a fourth round pick at the next level, and yes, eventually make that amount of money, but you get the the added attention you get the ability to kind of become a legend in this college town and that can take you a long way if you want to ride that train for the rest of your life like a certain quarterback could have done in college station if he wouldn't have you know kind of screwed everything up but I digress let's get to it we're going to start with the wide receivers and where exactly do you want to start with wide receiver here, Ian?
1: It, it's tough to know where to start. Honestly, there've been so many different team prospect fits that I've gone through, and like you said, that's kind of a byproduct I, of.
0: I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off right. real quick, and I don't do this often, but I think we gotta start with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think we gotta start with the Chiefs because I, I think that when you look at the entire NFL. I think the Panthers need a wide receiver more, but mm-hmm. the Panthers screwed themselves over by trading everything away for Bryce Young. And not to say that it was a, a terrible decision at the time, yeah. but they got rid of their best wide receiver. And Adam Thielen has been great for them, but he's over 30. They need speed. They need talent on the outside. And the
1: silver lining is their second round pick should be 33rd overall yeah, at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But still, like mm-hmm. you're missing out on a top tier guy.
0: Yes. And so, I mean, we look at the Kansas City Chiefs and we usually peg them, oh, you're going to be pick 31, you pick 32. Well, they might not be pick 31 or 32 this year because of the wide receiver position. It just, mm-hmm. they have not found consistent production. Rasheed Rice has, has been pretty good as a rookie, but outside of that, they have no consistency. And when I look at what might really open up this offense the most, I think you got to look at one of these dudes who's going to run a four four and a six foot three. Like, it's it's you're looking at Brian Thomas Jr. I, I think you're looking at Adonis Mitchell. I think you're looking, you know, even at somebody like Xavier Worthy. And you know, do you want to take him that high? Is he going to fall a little bit because of the hand situation? I don't know. But for me, it's somebody who can unlock that level of the offense, and nobody is Tyreek Hill. Nobody can come close to replicating what he is able to do down the field. But to have that speed, that ball tracking ability for Patrick Mahomes to kind of ad-lib with is what unlocked this offense for so many years. And it remains efficient, but you're missing that. Justin Watson is not catching passes down the field. None of these guys are really unlocking that part of this Chiefs offense.
1: Yeah, and it's like, you know, and we were kind of workshopping different wide receiver, just team prospect fits, and I, was, I got to the Chiefs and I'm like, Any any wide receiver, just any wide receiver, right? Because like there are so many, and here's the thing, right? This is where I get hung up on with the Chiefs because you definitely need two things, right? You need wide receivers who can catch the ball, right? It's good to have size, but I feel like the the independent separation aspect too is another thing that they could use more of, right? I feel like, you know, Sky Moore is a guy who can separate, but he clearly hasn't caught on this year, right? Rasheed Rice was a guy who coming out, I thought he had the tools to be a separator, but they've had their most success implementing him is kind of a rack threat, right? And I think that's where he was going to do the most damage early on. But you still don't know what his ceiling is as a route runner, right? And the guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, more of a vertical guy, right? You know, you can get him on crossers and stuff. But again, not guys who are going to completely stress cornerbacks one on one with their separation ability, right? And I do look at this class, Adonai Mitchell from Texas, AD Mitchell, definitely falls within that category. I'd like him to be a little more consistent just overall. But I do think the route running flexibility right the tempo modulations for six foot four for a six foot four guy it's pretty uncanny how he can sync and redirect and use throttle control and manipulate defensive backs with the head fakes and stuff like that and then the hands at the catch point the vertical speed uh that entire component it's all there for him right and then brian thomas jr another guy who can you know offset at stems and separate his route tree as a whole i think you're still looking for more expansion but i do think the throttle control the explosiveness all those things are there to kind of expand beyond that and then the hands again the ball tracking ability another very big strength of his game i wouldn't rule out guys who don't have the size for instance uh, one wide receiver who i've mocked to a few other teams right but if he is available for the chiefs lad mcconkey for georgia Mm -hmm. this guy that i would love in that offense because again He's a guy who can separate, right? You know, he's such a nuanced route runner. The throttle control we talk about as a physical trait, right? But this is a guy who has complete, you know, authority over how he uses his throttle, right? He's already very nuanced in how he maximizes that. And then he's got the speed to stress vertically, accelerate out of those stems, the hands, very strong hands over the middle of the field. So, again, I think it's just look for guys who have those strong hands, who have the vertical element, who can separate as well. I think that's what you're looking for for the Chiefs. Here's my question to you. You're the Chiefs. Juanye Morris has been playing pretty well at left tackle. You might have their future left tackle there, and he had great tools coming out last cycle. Uh, you've got Tail in a corner, right? I don't think they have a ton of needs outside of that wide receiver position. So let's say a guy like Roma Dunze drops the teens, right? Are you sprinting to trade up to that point? Are you sprinting to get one of these top wide receivers if one of them falls to a certain point?
0: No. No. No, I, I just think that there's too much. If it would be a class where it was like Marvin Harrison Jr., Keon Coleman, Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze. Like if it was just those four guys and then a huge drop off, I would consider it mm-hmm. if I'm the Chiefs. But no, I, I I think with the amount of physical talent that's in this class, they could even at you know 28 pick one in the third round, pick another one. Like I, it would not surprise me if they doubled up on wide receiver and just kind of threw darts at, at high end, you know, a- athletic guys who can hopefully catch on at the NFL level um, obviously you're looking for more out of a first round pick than that and I think taking you know maybe a safer first round pick in somebody like Ladd McConkey who you're right I mean I don't think the dude gets enough credit for just how talented he is and we should stress that he does have terrific downfield speed the dude is insanely quick and tracks the ball very well. So he's somebody who could be a really nice pick at the end of the first round. And I don't know if a ton of people are mocking him in the first round yet, but they should be. And then when you look into the, the third round, there might be, you know, a, a couple more guys that you can look at as, you know, those big guys who can kind of get downfield. Cause that's where you really want to want to look at, you know, that type of, of player, You want to wait a little bit on those guys who are just kind of vertical threats more than anything else. So I think when we look at that, I mean, you're you're looking at guys uh, like Devontae Walker. Tez Walker is the the one kind of guy that I I circle there. Um, Outside of that, there's not a ton, you know, when it comes to just pure downfield threats. I think... uh, uh, from Florida is kind of a, a sneaky, I say sneaky, athletic guy, but we all know why I say that. Um, you wouldn't expect it, but, I mean, he made the catch of the year earlier this year, and he is legitimately a 4'3 guy as well, and he has decent size. He's not a small dude either. So uh, I think Tez Walker is the kind of guy that I circle in the, the early day two, not early day two, but, you know, mid-day two for uh, – for somebody like that mm-hmm.
1: another offense i would love to see lad mcconkey in and this is like if they have the the capital right because the dolphins have other needs as well i think offensive line is a big one and one fit that i really liked for them is graham barton from duke because if teron Armstead, said if he gets injured right he can play tackle if they lose someone this, in free agency and
0: they love they love their position flex with exactly. their offensive lineman as well. Yep, and that's
1: big. Like that's kind of the top selling point for Graham Barton. You know, like Armstead, if he gets injured, you can play tackle. Guard needs he can fill that, and then if Connor Williams leaves in free agency, uh, you've got a center too. So you know, mm-hmm. all of that's very. And then he's just a mauler as a run blocker, the explosiveness, the athleticism. So there was one of our fits for later on the Graham Barton to Miami would would be one that I love. But if you don't spend that on Barton, I think McConkey could be the perfect wide receiver three. For this Dolphins offense, right? You got Hill and Waddle on the opposite side of the field stressing defenses. And I think McConkey, you know, has the speed to really make the most of those little seams in the defense, right? But then at the same time, the hands to convert over the middle of the field. They don't really have a guy right now. Who can consistently convert in that phase, I think. And at times I can kind of, you know, it hasn't hurt the offense too much yet, just because McDaniel is a genius and because they got Raheem Mosser and Devin A. Chain and stuff like that. And Tyreek already is just so good. so, but I do think if you want to make this offense even more potent, the completing piece might be that wide receiver three who can just take advantage of those teams off the middle when Hill and Waddle are stretching defense as thin as it is. So that's another wide receiver fit I really like. A couple more that we had on the sheet here one that i've made for like three mocks his troy franklin to the ravens i just I, I love that fit i love the way that todd monken utilizes his weapons even going back to his days at georgia we've seen you know he's very creative with the way he schemes touches for his weapons zay flowers A lot of prime examples of that this year, you know, getting short completions, getting end rounds, sweeps, you know, just being used in motions. But at the same time, he is a guy who can separate independently if you need him to at multiple ranges of the field. Right. I think Troy Franklin kind of has a similar uh, usage profile, right, where you can use him on motions, sweeps, the explosiveness, the long strider speed. He's a very good rack threat. You know, he's got that twitch and agility at the same time, but then the vertical speed to get downfield and create some more chunk plays for the Ravens offense. Every time he's there (laughs) at the end, at the tail end of round one, I just, I can't get past that. You know, if he's the guy, like there are other receivers on the board, but to me, he's just a perfect fit for that offense. And I think, you know, it's always very hard for me to to get past that because I want to mix it up for mock drafts. But Troy Franklin to the Ravens is one that's, you know, it just feels like a perfect match to me.
0: I like that you talked about the rack threat because I think that that is is one part of Franklin's game where I'm lower on Troy Franklin than I think most of the general population is when it comes to the NFL draft. But the one thing that did surprise me about his game was his post-catch ability. He has really good flexibility that you don't necessarily see as a route runner and it can actually make you think like, hey, like he has the physical ability to put it all together Mm -hmm. as a route runner because we've seen what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. And if he can just transition that to his route running, he's a guy who has the athletic ability, the fluidity to be able to consistently create separation at all three levels of the field. But yes, that downfield element in that Baltimore Ravens passing attack would be huge. I think the, the one that you talked about, you can't get past with that is one that I have for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm glad that you wrote this one down that's Xavier Worthy. Mm. I think Xavier Worthy would be, first of all, the most hilarious replacement for Deontay Johnson because Johnson is a, a very talented football player who is just entirely flawed. It just the the mistakes that he makes on a weekly basis are astonishing. Whether it, you know it, it be allowing a a return for a touchdown on a fumble where mm. he just let his guy go. If it's you know him literally running backwards, I think he got lost. I legitimately think he got lost. He kind of got spun around, and then legitimately ran backwards on a wide receiver screen. The you know intermittent drops that he has. He's just a a flawed player that has a ton of talent. And when we look at Xavier Worthy, he is an incredible talent. He has unbelievable speed. He's a great ball tracker, and he would really open up a, a. An aspect of that Pittsburgh Steelers offense that they currently do not have. Pickens is a ball winner, but that legitimate speed down the field could be huge for their offense. But the drops are a concern with him. And so you'll still have those inconsistencies. You'll still have Steelers fans be really frustrated with him at times. But I think Worthy is the type of player who, first of all, he's way tougher than Deontay Johnson is. I mean, this is one of the toughest dudes that I have watched, and it goes back to some, being somebody that is very much like Devontae Smith, where he's going to get punched in the mouth. He's 165 pounds, but he's got great contact balance. He likes to fight through contact as well. He's good after the catch. You can scheme him touches. You can push the ball downfield with him, get over the hands, because he should be able to outproduce, and this is something that we've seen with Jerry Judy, where judy's hands have gotten a little bit better at the nfl level but he's kind of underproduced i think worthy Mm. has the ability to produce to the level where the drops aren't as much of an issue
1: yeah and i think we've discussed it on on previous pods too like the ball tracking ability is not a concern right you know more often than not especially in the deep third like he is very good at positioning himself and making well-timed adjustments it's just sometimes yeah, on those easier completions, almost concentration, yeah, concentration, drops, concentration yep. drops. So it's, it's not an issue that's sourced in the instincts and the tracking ability. It's just you got to convert when the time comes when mm-hmm. the opportunity comes, you got to seal the deal with your hands, right? So I think it's one of those things that with more practice, get him in the jugs machine, you know, after practice, a few more times, like hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be able to fix it, because I don't think it's an issue of technique or anything like that. Uh, but one one thing that you know, on top of being a speed guy too. I think one thing that makes his speed especially potent and this is another thing that we have talked about with worthy before is that he's not just a vertical guy he is a wide receiver who's very good at retracting his strides pressing upfield into stems and baiting defensive backs into committing upfield and then right after that he can sink his hips he can turn on a dime on those comebacks and hitches and that ability to pressure vertically and then take advantage of that space you know, if he's just a vertical guy, if you know he's not going to do that, then defensive backs are a lot more comfortable using extra cushion, right, and playing with that. But now that you, there's there's a serious risk that as soon as he presses into you, he's diverting back. Uh, that ability can really kind of put defensive backs in the bind, and I think open up more opportunities for other weapons in the offense. So I think that gr- yeah. that gravitational aspect we talk about that a lot with speed guys. Yep. He's got that.
0: Yeah, and the other fit that I really like for him is the Los Angeles Chargers, just because mm-hmm. I think that they need that consistent downfield threat. They, you know, would love to push the ball down the field more. Quentin Johnson really hasn't been that guy for them. He's really, really struggled. His hands down the field, his tracking, it's not been very good. And I kind of thought that he could be... um Oh, man, what, uh, like a LaVisca Chenault type, somebody who you kind of scheme touches around. He's really good with the ball in his hands. I never thought that he was going to be that pure downfield guy. I thought that he could be a pretty de- good decoy, but he hasn't really even accomplished that very well. So I think Xavier Worthy going to the Chargers would be another good fit. You put down the 49ers. We're not giving the 49ers <laughs> any more weapons. I'm not going to allow that. And there we go. We're moving on. I'm not even going to let you talk about that one because it just, in my brain, cannot happen. There
1: is one. Can't do it. There is one we could talk about from the Shanahan tree, though, I hope. The Texans, uh, I know we put down a couple wide receivers yes. for the Texans. And so yes. this is fun. This, I put down uh-huh. Malik Neighbors for my perfect Yeah, every- and
0: that's a, a complete pipe dream because there is <laughs> absolutely no way that, Mal- and we say this every year, or we hear people say this every year, yeah. there's no way this guy makes it there. CeeDee Lamb fell to 17. So we really have no idea. We think Malik Neighbors is probably going to be a top 10 pick. We think in most classes he has a very good chance of being the wide receiver one in most classes. We think he's that talented. He's just going up against Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. There's just no competition for that. Um, So, yeah, Neighbors, I I think. Unbelievable, especially with the way that we see C.J. Stroud likes to push the football mm-hmm. to the intermediate and deep areas of the field, and the touch and accuracy that he has to those areas of the field as well. However, I think that they already kind of have a guy, and hopefully Tank Dell is able to come back from injury at one hundred percent from the the fractured fibula that that fibula that he suffered mm-hmm. um, in in recent weeks, and he's able to go for next season. What I would like to see a little bit more from them is that slot target that can win anywhere and can play on the inside or the outside. Somebody who already has a rapport with CJ Stroud. I wonder send where you're going with this. Amika Egbuka to the Texans. That would be so much fun. And listen, I don't think that he's necessarily worthy to be selected around where they'll be picking. I think that they could go in other directions with that pick specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but they have a bunch of draft capital as well. So I think that they could kind of fill needs wherever they may be. But if they like trade down towards the end of round one, somebody like Amika, I think could really open up another level of that intermediate route running and also, you know, get the ball on end arounds and things like that. Because I think that he's not the best with the ball in his hands, but I do think that he is pretty creative.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, with the injuries this year, right? We never know how that's going to impact the prospect stock until the draft comes around. We've been surprised many times by that. So, you know, first off, I don't even know if he's going to declare, right? You know, we've had some surprises so far this year. So maybe he does decide to go back and, you know, try and end his college career with one fully healthy season. We don't know what's going to happen. But even if he does declare, I'm very high on him still. I know you are as well. I would still spend a first round pick on him. but injuries can be a very interesting variable so if he falls to round two right if you're the texans i'm jumping on that value because he's got immediate chemistry with stroud and he's got that slot framework that you want he's got the versatility the rack ability right and speed to kind of sear through zones across the field i think all of that is there the strong hands to convert on those on those open rack opportunities um so yeah i think that's a a phenomenal fit especially if you can't get neighbors a very good constellation prize for you so it's just you know that shanahan tree you know it's it's fun because Stroud has already been so good this year and and nico nico collins has broken out tank dell has been very good uh noah brown has been a really really nice complimentary threat for them But you do still get the sense that they could, they still have room to kind of keep adding to their weapons core, and that's that's scary but exciting at the same time. So uh, it's fun to to mock those wide receivers. Are we through the wide receivers now?
0: We are not yet. Oh my god, we have two more kind of. uh, And and listen, guys, wide receivers is going to be the most we do here because the wide receiver class is just insane, and a lot of teams need wide receiver help. The New York Football Giants, you put down. Roman Dunze?
1: Oh yeah. Well, this one's simple. They
0: would have to trade. They would have to trade down for for him. I, I don't think they're going to take him at. Four I think yeah. I think Roman that is a little picker, bit early.
1: I would definitely consider trading down. I would also. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like burn the pick if they picked him there. Because I'm I'm very high on a Dunze, but I do think um yeah. just you know what he provides is pretty simple, right? I mean 6'3, 215. Yeah. You need a guy who can be an X receiver, but provide that versatility yeah. too, you know, the toughness, the route running ability, the rack. Uh, to me, you know, he's the complete picture. Like Keon Coleman has the alpha ability, has that size and that verticality, but I don't think he's the independent route runner and separator. I don't think he's quite as fluid as a Dunze is, right? So that kind of yep. takes him out. Uh, neighbors would be a phenomenal pick for them too i just look at the size element i do think Adanze has him beat there i mean obviously it kind of measures a little bit heavier yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know you, you look at that but you know just getting the x receiver who can be that complete three level threat uh to me the giants need that more than anything else so you know pretty simple yeah they
0: need a they, they need a guy that's over 5'9 yeah. and over 180 yeah. pounds jalen hyatt that speed that ball tracking ability can be really big for them but you're right they do need an x wide receiver I think in the first round they could trade down a little bit. They could also look at right tackle. Yeah. And I hate that for them. I hate that because I wanted Evan Neal to work. I was a big fan of his. It just it just hasn't worked out so far. Yeah. Yet. And that's a so position where if, if you
1: can one. see holes in the ship, right? Like that's something like patch it up, right? Don't let it fester cuz yeah. it's just going to get worse.
0: I agree. Um, one more wide receiver, and we'll kind of just talk about the Tennessee Titans in general here. Malachi Corley, somebody who, not a first-round guy, but somebody that, you know, could very well be taken on day three, somebody who you put down here, and I like this fit, somebody who you can give easy scheme touches to. Allow your horrific Offensive line to remain horrific and not have to pass block for more than half a second, (laughs) which you really don't want them doing. I saw uh, Tic Tac Titans um, on Twitter uh, or X formerly Twitter uh, posted the meme of the guy sweating with the two buttons. And it was help Jalen Duncan on one side and help Aaron Brewer on the other side. And it was Peter Skaronsky. It was literally he's the only one on that offensive line that is. Not completely and entirely replaceable. Skaronsky is a very good player, but you can't flourish when you have nothing to help you on the left or the right side. And so they could literally just go anywhere on the offensive line. They could go left tackle. They could go right tackle. It does not matter. Mary's Mims is who you put down. And for the Titans' personality, that's perfect. Yeah big dude physical dude really nimble guy but a devastating run blocker and that's what they want to do and even when you look at the passing attack throughout the years it's a lot of play action it's a lot of Will Levis turning his back to the to the offense or to the defense and I think Will Levis has shown me more this year in a horrific situation than I ever expected him to. I think mm-hmm. that he has been pretty good overall. There's still learning curve with him, but I think that he can really get it if this offensive line turns into what you need it to and you have a guy like Corley who Maybe not the best route runner in the world, might be more of a manufactured touch guy, but is a really good athlete overall and can really be used as a weapon on those crossing patterns yeah. that Tennessee loves to use. And
1: that's that's the key for me with Corley, right? Because he, I do think he has room to improve as a route runner, but you look at what can I use him on right now? Day one. I think slants, crossers, like you said, exactly. Getting open over the middle of the field and getting that space, that runway ahead of you to be that rack threat. And the dude's like 5'10, 511, 210 pounds. This is the rack god. Ian Valentino, our, our scouting director, calls him that. And it's it's a worthy name because he has contact balance, he has toughness, uh, he can bowl through t- tackle attempts, solo tackle attempts, just keep churning. Super explosive, right? So, you know, I think if you're the Titans. You, you hit the nail on the head. Will Levis has shown enough, I think, to invest a little more capital in him, more time into him uh, to see if he can be that franchise guy. But to do that, you've got to invest in the, in the weapons core because it's still pretty bare. De- DeAndre Hopkins is playing pretty well considering his age, but you don't know how much longer you're going to get out of that prime cycle from him. And then they just, the, the weapons core is kind of bare outside of that. And then the blocking unit as well. Amarius Mims, I think the one reservation that I might have from a Titans fan is that he is still pretty young he is relatively raw in some areas that said i think you know he's hasn't played a ton this year because he got knocked out out of the field with an injury but i think the progression that he's shown in that limited sample i think his footwork is getting better i think he's slowly learning yeah. how to use independent hands so i think the trajectory upward is very very steep for him i think he's showing that progression and then six foot seven 330 pounds moving like a tight end right i mean the athleticism is insane the gnawing physicality in space he can play left tackle or right tackle i think the versatility the youth, the steep developmental curve, the athleticism, the physicality, all those things, it's exactly what you're looking for at that tackle spot. So maybe there's going to be a few lumps early on, but but I do think, especially if you put him on the left side, having Skaronski next to him, that can really help his developmental track as well. So I think if you're the Titans, you come away from round one and round two with Nims and Corley, uh, that would get an A-plus for me. I think that's a perfect fit for both guys.
0: So let's move on here and let's go to the, you know what, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think we're just going to stick with offense for this podcast. Cause we still have a bunch of fits to go and we're not going to be able to give the time to the defensive side of the ball that we really need to. And it just comes down to, we have a lot to talk about guys and we are two very, <laughs> very lot. good talkers. Yeah. So uh, we're going to just stick to the offensive side of the ball for this. And we'll make sure that you guys know that in the title, even though we didn't say it up front. Um, And let's just stick to the offensive tackle position specifically or offensive line because we were already on it with the Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. You had a really, really interesting one with the Green Bay Packers that I haven't seen before. I haven't really paid attention to before. But now that you put it down, I absolutely love because I've been looking at left tackles for them. But what about a left tackle who a lot of people think is going to be a guard at the next level but very well might just be a left tackle at the next level as well? A la Zach Tom, who was a right tackle, thought a lot of people thought he was going to end up being a guard at the NFL level and is playing his absolute tail off at right tackle for the Green Bay Packers right now, very early in his career. You have Troy Fontenot.
1: Yeah, I honestly I love how you walk I, I love how you walk me through my own thought process as you're kinda leading into this is like <laughs> we got synergy right here for sure. Yeah, like uh, I think the positional flexibility, obviously, right? Like we talked about the Dolphins, they love that. I think the Packers really love that too, because Zach Tom, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he was a guy I was pretty high on coming out because this is a guy who has five position flexibility. If you want him to, we can play wherever you want at a high level, and now he's a potential future starter for them, right? At a very important position. Troy Fotanu is a guy who the first time I watched him, because I, you know, you see the you see the inklings, right? You kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, little little shreds of what you want to, you know, know about these guys before you get in. Like we can never watch a guy without any impression of them at all. Like you see things, right? And I saw yeah. that some people were projecting him to guard. And so I watch him attack. It's like, hang on, why are we projecting him to guard? Right. Like I'm I'm all for moving him to guard if that's what we want to do. But the dude is well-leveraged. The dude is athletic. He's got good proportional length for his frame, right? He's around 6'4", I want to say 320, 325, somewhere in there. But he might have over 34-inch arms, right? So I, there's nothing for me that's pushing him inside. And then you look at how he plays the tackle. I think he has very good footwork, very good recovery capacity, the flexibility with his hips, the ability just, to just hinge around and seal off lanes, uh, and then the ability to get out and explode out on his kick and, and match, guys, to the apex. I mean, and then the combative hand usage as well. You know, for me, there's nothing keeping him from staying at tackle. That said, he can play tackle or guard. And if you're the Packers, you know, injuries hit, you know, every year we see that happen. You want to be flexible. You want to be malleable. You want to be able to adapt. And especially especially with Jordan Love hitting his stride and really becoming that franchise QB that they were hoping for him to become, uh, having that extra security in a bona fide starter. I think can be so valuable and I think they're they're trending toward his range now too if they make the playoffs they're picking in the 20s I think that's the perfect yeah. range to get a guy like Troy Fatsunew you know a guy who maybe not in the Joe old Olufoshanu tier but I still think is very very underrated very much a first round prospect and very much hits every single thing that the Packers would look for so I think he can lock down the blind side play inside whatever you need him to do I think that security is something the Packers have really proven they value.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad that you talked about uh, his his uh, weight as well mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't sure of what his weight was, and I don't think it, I might be wrong here, and I know that Brian can uh, tell us. Brian, um, but I I don't believe that they love like really heavy offensive linemen. I think they, yeah. they try to they tend lighter on the offensive. And they
1: line might, you know, Tom might be a bit heavy for them, but I think once you once you hit that, and there's always a, a minor exceptions to the rules Sometimes yeah. I think if you see that weight and he's maybe a little too heavy for you, that's when you look at the tape and see, well, does he still move well? Fatanu still does. You know, I, I don't think there's any reservations that I have about his movement laterally or vertically. So, you know, I would look at that. That's kind of a cross-check thing. Like, hey, he's outside of threshold. Let's look at this, look at the tape and see if there's any mobility concerns that come with that. In this case, I don't
0: think there are. Let's stick with tackle, but let's go to the other side. And honestly, I don't even think it really has to be a right side only thing for the San Francisco 49ers. Trent Williams is still playing at an unbelievable level. But how long can an offensive tackle play at OT1 level when you are well over 40 at this point? I mean, what he's doing is insane. So I I think you just kind of look at, like you said here on the paper, any athletic run-blocking offensive tackle. Look at Mike McGlinchy. What was he? Not very great in pass protection. Still not very great in pass protection. But a very, very good run blocker, especially towards the end of his stint in San Francisco. And I think that that's what you can look at in this class. And there are no shortage of guys on the left or the right side who fit that bill. So you're right. I don't think that there's just one guy who can fit here. I think that they're going to be very happy with whoever they're looking at at that spot at unfortunately, most likely the 32nd pick in the NFL draft.
1: Now the good news for the 49ers is this is such a good tackle class that five tackles could go off the board before them and they'll still get a chance to get maybe to fuaga or kingsley Suamataya or jordan morgan or you know you go down the list right you know there are so many good athletic tackles it's, it's insane it really is and it, it's kind of it's a little tragic for the casual viewer who's you know anti-49ers because kyle shanahan is just he's doing what he does he's succeeding with a seventh round pick of quarterback like you know he's doing all these things and you know, he's going to luck into getting a future all pro tackle potentially at the, at the back end of round one. It just might, it might happen. It might just, you know, there's nothing we can do, but you know, I think Talese Fuaga, right. If he falls to that point would be a phenomenal fit. One of the, my favorite run blocking tackles in this class with the way he just explodes in the space. Um, really good angle awareness, really good football IQ. But then on top of that, too, he always stays square to his target and he just drives power through, you know, he's so physical as a finisher, Uh, the mobility, the ability to, you know, cover range in pursuit and seal off lanes at the second and third levels. I mean, this dude is as high effort, as high athleticism and as high powered of a blocker as you're going to see. And then he's a really good pass protector, too. So I think that would be my favorite fit. If it were up to me and I'm picking for other teams in the top 20, I wouldn't let Fulak get to that point. But, um, you know, the depth of that position group, anything can happen in this class. And then Suamataya can play left or right. He's another very physical run blocker. Uh, if you're the 49ers, just athleticism, power. And Kieran Amagaji from Yale is another one. You know, if he's there in round two or three.
0: I knew we couldn't talk about tackles I, without, I without you bringing him up. Dude,
1: his tools are insane, man. I swear. I mean, <laughs> as long as he's fully healthy from that quad injury, let's hope he is. He had surgery. Uh, so hopefully he's trending toward a full recovery. But the dude is insane. You know, I think round two, round three, the explosiveness, the power, um, just you want guys at the FCS level to really dominate with those tools. And he definitely did uh, when he was on the field this year. So for, if you're the 49ers, again, invest in those tools um, and kind of develop them within your scheme and it can really pay dividends down the road.
0: The last one that I think we're going to talk about here on the offensive line, we're going to go all the way on the inside, and we're going to talk about center. And we're please, please, Pittsburgh, please, please. For I've been begging you for years now. Mason Cole is not that dude. He's not that dude. He hasn't been that dude ever. So please, let's try to get an upgrade at center. And Zach Frazier is the, the name that you wrote down for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And... I absolutely love it. You're talking about a guy going from Morgantown to Pittsburgh. It is not very far, and there is not much of a cultural difference between those two areas. It'd be a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think if you're the Steelers, there's four potential early early round centers that you're looking at: Cedric Van pran if he declares, Zach Frazier, Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon if he declares, and then Graham Barton. Right, Barton's kind of a wild card. You can play at either spot. Uh, But for the Steelers in particular, I really like Zach Frazier for two reasons, very good pass protector, I think really well leveraged, I think he's got independent hands, I think he's got a really strong anchor, former wrestler, so you know, he understands leverage, but then as a run blocker too, I think he's probably the most variable of this group, right? He's not just a zone blocker, he can do gap schemes, he can seal off the a gap, right, his hip flexibility and his angle IQ. On the interior are are both phenomenal traits the short area athleticism to the ability to keep his leverage as he's making adjustments within that window um, i think he's the most variable the most versatile run blocker i think for Najee harris jalen warren you know keeping that offense churning uh to me that's really what kind of separates him from this pack i think you know maybe if you go with the dolphins right cedric van pran or powers johnson maybe more space blockers and i'm not saying frazier can't block in space but he's very intelligent Very sound in multiple schemes. And to me, that all round security, that's what you need if you're in Pittsburgh. I I would would love that fit.
0: So we got about six minutes left, seven minutes left. And we have one more position to really talk about. Tight end. Let's do it. Let's do it. I I mean, Brock Bowers, in my opinion, could go anywhere. But you're right. The best fit is very, very clearly the Washington Commanders. If you can get him in a similar offense to what is run in Kansas city. If you can mold your offensive scheme around him, because Terry McLaurin probably not going to be around next year. Mm -hmm. Why would he want to come back to that situation ever again? You have some other weapons on the outside, but they're going to be picking very high in this draft. Probably would love to trade down a little bit here to get Brock Bowers and to pick up some extra capital because drafting a tight end in the top 10 period is a very expensive thing to do. Yeah. And it just has not historically worked out. I think in this situation, and it's a little bit different because we are starting to see guys like Sam Laporta really show out in a good situation. And I think that if you can get in an offense that is going to feature a tight end, Brock Bowers is, is, the best case scenario that i think we've ever seen to be honest mm-hmm. yeah i
1: mean he's the easiest to feature for sure and i i think you're right you know maybe you do want to trade down a little bit i know commanders fans they already have a lot of capital Current commanders fans would be angry with me if i picked bowers over oldu fashanu i think fashanu is probably their favorite player at this point and for good reason i mean they yeah. need offensive tackle help he's one of the best in the class joe Alt's my ot1 but i think either of those would be a great pick number four but if you get yep. bowers odds are you're not getting one of those guys but I think especially if you stick with Sam Howell. And that is kind of a big if at this point, because we don't really know. We're kind of on the fence. On one hand, you know, he's been very productive. I'm really
0: interested to see how how ownership handles that situation. Yeah. Because I think Sam Howell's been a lot of fun. I think that he has the traits that I like to see. And he in is still a, a young quarterback, a quarterback too. Quarterback. Like, it's his first yes.
1: year. So it's like... He, well.
0: second year first year is
1: a full-time starter but yeah Yeah, second year year so you wouldn't want to maybe give some leniency there we'll see if they do if you do stick with them though I think Brock Bowers two things right you want to Sam Howell is is a quarterback who takes risks he's a gunslinger he's not afraid to do that uh, but then also, I think I think Bowers kind of helps tone that down in multiple ways, being that easy rack threat who you can scheme touches to in in Benami's offense. That's really great to have. But then when Howell does ch- take those chances, those seam threat, those seam routes, right, those you know big time you know risk reward shots over the middle of the field, right, you know in the tight windows, Brock Bowers is a bird of prey at the catch point, man. I mean, he's got hands of steel. He tracks the ball better than anyone. You know, I think he's a guy who can really help you convert on those 50-50 opportunities that Howell likes to take. He likes to take those risks. And Bowers is not a risk mitigator, but he's a guy who can help you convert on those. So, you know, I think that's, to me, if you do go that route, it's a very good fit. And I think we got one more, the Colts. We do. We do. This is
0: the, yeah, it's the best fit in the class, in my opinion. Um, Give Shane Steichen somebody who can play in Dallas Goddard's role. Um, We're talking about scheme touches. I mean, look what he's been able to do on tight end screens at Texas in that offense. Mm -hmm. He's been unbelievable. I think, you know, for I don't know if it's still true, but for a very long time, he on a team with A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy was leading in yards per reception. And it it all comes down to his post catch ability. He is a freaky athlete. He is I, I love Brock Bowers and he's my second favorite player in this draft but jatavion sanders is my favorite just player to watch in this class i'm incredibly bullish on him and i don't know where he ends up in this draft class because he's a tight end because he you know he might not be that traditional guy who's going to be in line and blocking all the time although i don't think that he's terrible in those situations it's tough to kind of project what you're going to be at the nfl level at that position doing that but as a weapon He's exactly what you want in a modern tight end. And he fits the athletic profile that the Colts have really leaned on over the past couple of years, just drafting freak Raz athletes. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And you know, to go off of that, one Ras athlete that they drafted, Jelani Woods, a couple of years ago, probably more of your your red zone threat. Like he can go up the scene too, but I think Red Zone and Scene threat. I think yep. Sanders kind of helps increase the multiplicity with how many different ways it can be used you know being that rack threat as well you can use them on motions you can use them as a big slot if you want right you know i do think there's more versatility with how he can be employed and i think they would go along with with each other pretty well right and then looking at anthony richardson too a guy who has the arm strength to take advantage of those seam throws too you can go four verts and just put those guys up the seam and just let them kind of outbody defensive backs right i think there's many different ways to create mismatches with that kind of personnel and i think kylan is due for an expiring contract this offseason. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to need to add a little bit more firepower to that position. And if you're going to do that, get a guy who's versatile, a guy who's dynamic in multiple phases. To me, Jatavion Sanders, if you can't get Brock Bowers, which the Colts are out of that range right now, then, you know, I think Sanders is the way to go for sure.
0: I do too. And guys, we are right on time to end this podcast. Still got it done in under 45 minutes. Just talking about the offensive fits. We will be back. Next week, to talk about the defensive fits. I'm excited for it. I hope you are too. And I know Ian will be. Ian, do you have anything to say to the people quickly before we leave?
1: Yeah, just um, the season is over, basically. But um, our season is just beginning. Make sure you stay with us Mm -hmm. at Pro Football Network. We're going to be ramping up scouting reports and draft content. The Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl will be coming up in January, February. Around that time, NFL Combine after that. Um, We're really just getting started it feels like we've been covering this for a long time it feels like summer was just a day ago but already uh, we are into the next phase of the NFL draft process so stick with us here at Pro Football Network for all of your uh, draft content we're gonna have mailbags we're gonna have more mocks we're gonna have a ton of new stuff uh, in the days and weeks to come but until then. Uh, stick with us have a good one and uh i don't know dalton you usually do the sign off so i'm gonna take it off know, to i'm you.
0: signing off i'm <laughs> signing off i'm signing off also if you guys are college football junkies make yes. sure you're checking out cfn the transfer portal is insane and they have all of it there so make sure you're checking that out and as always guys remember that i love you goodbye